Um, over the last couple weeks on Sunday, we've been in a series called Ghost Stories. How many of y'all have enjoyed that series? Come on. Anybody learn anything about the Holy Ghost? Anybody learn anything about what the Holy Ghost is not? All right. Um, I want to finish up tonight and honestly kind of a recap type message of the combination of the weeks, but really talking about being filled with the Spirit and what that means. Um, how many of you guys love filling up your tank of gas on your car and just knowing you got a full tank and you're excited because like wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, then you're full, you know you can get there. Anybody? Come on. Like a, a, a full tank of gas is like a new pair of shoes. You just feel better about it. Like you're, you're good to go. Now, now there is some of y'all though that live in a very spiritual world. You love to live in a world of prayer. And you ride around with your gas light on all the time. Like you riding down the road at night and you forever got an orange glow on your face. Because that little gas light's on all the time. And here's the crazy part. Why is it in the church and in the church world, we're okay living spiritually with the gas light on? See, in the natural, when it comes on, we automatically know it's time to take action. My God, I'm going to help somebody tonight. When you're riding down the road and that little orange light comes on and says, low fuel, 40 miles you're like, oh, i got to find a gas station. But spiritually, there's a lot of people in this room tonight, and the truth of it is, is probably there's a lot of gas lights on. The Holy Spirit's been telling you, hey, it's time to pull over. It's time to refuel. It's time to get filled up because you've been on the accelerator. Too much. Am I talking to anybody tonight? And see, what you need to understand is spiritually there is a gas light where God will begin to check your spirit and tell you, hey, bro, pump the brakes. Because God never intended you to, to live this life outside of a space called full. Amen. Okay. Acts chapter 2 be my text tonight of many that I'll be um, teaching tonight. So bear with me. I've got a lot of scripture I want to share with you. I just want to take scripture, break it down, take scripture, break it down, take scripture, break it down. Is that okay? I'm glad you said amen because if not, I was still going with it. Acts chapter 2, please stand for the reverence of reading God's word. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and then you can be seated while I stand and preach for the next hour and a half. <laughs> when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a, a blowing of a violent wind. Wow. Let's stop right here real quick and let me ask you, what was the Old Testament word for spirit? Who was paying attention? Shout it out. Ruach. Good. Good job. What was the New Testament word for spirit? Pneuma. Right? Both words translated, though, meant a violent exhale of breath. Watch. Okay. Suddenly a sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. And they saw what seemed to them to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Or in one translation it says, as the Spirit gave the utterance. Amen? Yes. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for revelation, God, that comes from your word in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen and amen. Acts chapter 2 goes on to tell you that while they were yet filled with the Spirit, there's something else that happened. Staggering, full of the Holy Ghost and power, they stumble out on a rooftop where the Bible says that Peter, standing up, and the other 11 apostles standing with him, begins to preach the Pentecostal message under the some 3,000 devout Jews that were gathered in that day uh, from, from all over the place because of the the feast uh, and the t- of, of Pentecost that was happening, they would all journey back during this time. And so here's uh, some 3,000 people that are gathered around and Peter standing up on the rooftop. He begins to preach this message of repent and be baptized and this Christ in whom you crucified, preaching the gospel of Christ. And, and, and the Bible says, though, this key thing, that these guys were from all different places with all different tongues, and yet they all began to say how is it he being he speaks in my language so what happens is the holy ghost comes and there's a manifestation of the spirit of god in such a powerful way that all of a sudden now peter standing up is preaching in an unnative tongue to himself and those that are hearing here in their natural language the message which is being preached watch i got to show you something really quick If you go back into childhood Sunday school, you learned about a place called the Tower of... Okay, we're going somewhere. The idea of the Tower of Babel was that men decided they would build a tower to reach heaven. Here's the amazing part. God looks at at heaven and he says, man, if we don't do something about this, they're going to get here. Go back and read your Bible. He said, if we don't stop them, they're going to achieve it. They're dead set on getting here. And the Bible says that God came down in that day and he caused a a, a scattering of these men that were building this tower trying to reach heaven. Why? Because there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't build a tower to get there. But hold on, I'm going to help you. i got to teach tonight. But here's the amazing part. It says that he scattered them and gave unto them different tongues. Watch. The different tongues come, and why? Because now they can no longer communicate with each other to build towers to get to heaven. I'm going to help you. But on the day of Pentecost, there was a reversal of the Tower of Babel because now the ladder of heaven had already been established. The Bible said that they saw the Son of Man and angels ascending and descending on him. The way, the truth, and the life. So now God comes and he restores what he caused confusion in with the Tower of Babel. And now God's saying, now if y'all want to talk, you're going to talk my message. Now if you want to build, you're going to build my kingdom. Now if you want to get here, I'm going to tell you how to tell each other how to get here. Okay. So we find that Pentecost is more than just tongue-talking power, fire. It, is a, it, it was a commissioning. Jesus said, I got to go so that you can tarry and receive power from on high. What was the power for? The power was on purpose to build the kingdom, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to have a backbone, the Holy Spirit that was convicting, that was comforting, and that was counseling the disciples to go and do the work of the ministry. So we find that that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he comes and it says that tongues 
of fire set upon each of them. And I want to take a moment because in the spirit-filled church, I'm going to use big quotes around that, the, well, let's just say the church in general, the pendulum swings both ways very aggressively on tongues. Let's talk about it. Y'all ready? Because don't nobody want to talk about tongues. Let's talk about tongues. Because often being spirit-filled has always been directly linked and connected to tongues. So let's talk about tongues. Here's the amazing thing. Paul writes three chapters centered around the message of tongues and gifts of the Spirit because the Corinth church was at such dissension with one another, they were constantly fighting. Why? Because of gifts and tongues. Well, what was in order? What was out of order? What should be interpreted? What shouldn't be interpreted? Come on, somebody. What's funny is they were fighting about it 3,000 or 2,000 years ago, and they're still fighting about it today. But I found out something. There is a Bible, B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. It's God's manual. It's God's law. If you got a question about anything, all you got to do is open it. And every answer, every order, every, every way that business of the kingdom should be constructed is in there. Sunday, I gave you a commission. Go home, read 1 Corinthians 12. Go read 1 Corinthians 13. Read 1 Corinthians uh, 14. I don't know if any of you did it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to feel bad. That nobody listened to me. But anyways, I'm going to break down. So, I want to take a moment first, and, and we're talking about being spirit-filled, but let's address tongues, because Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that when the Holy Spirit came, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes, the presence, but then there's a manifestation of that presence in the promise. And promise becomes vocal. Promise becomes seen. Promise becomes tangible. And all of a sudden, the gift of tongues, in the, the Bible says, and as the Holy Spirit sat upon them, that each and every one of them, all of them, not some of them, come on somebody, not the Pentecostals in the room. Hey, well, you're Baptist, so you, you didn't get it. So you just sit over there just, just for the Pentecostals. They're over here. No, every single one that was in the room received this touch from heaven. Man, we mess things up when we name denominations. We sound a whole lot like the church in Acts. Well, I'm of Paul. Well, I'm of John. Let me tell you something. I'm of Jesus and his Bible. Okay. So we find out, though, that Spirit-filled, Spirit-coming, the promised baptism of the Holy Ghost is directly connected to tongues. Okay, so what do we know about tongues? Let's talk about the idea that when someone speaks in tongues, there should be an interpretation. Yeah. Let's really talk about it. Okay. So I, I'm going to address and I'm going to talk about what a lot of you, you say, well, preacher, you, you preached on gifts Sunday. Let me tell you something. I preached on gifts Sunday intentionally knowing with this message because what we're really going to address tonight is the spirit feeling, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but we're so caught up on gifts that you're missing the gift. There's a lot of people under the sound of my voice that you've heard in your, you, you, your exposure to church. I don't go to that church. They speak in tongues and that's not the devil. Okay. First rule is the devil will never do anything that could be considered glorifying God. That's right. Amen. Okay. So check that box. The second thing that I need you to understand is that many of you have been told your whole life, well, you can speak in tongues, but if you do, it's got to be interpreted. 
It has to be. If you speak in tongues and it's not interpreted, it's out of order. God ain't in it. Okay, let's really talk about it. Let's see what the Bible says. Watch. Let's, let's let everything be conducted decently and in order. But listen, some of you tongue talkers, I'm coming for you tonight too, so don't shut me down too loud. We're coming for you too. See, when someone speaks in tongues publicly, 1 Corinthians 14 addresses us. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 27 and 28. Watch. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone, someone, no, no, someone, 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 okay. Verse 28. See, if there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and should speak to himself and to God. Hold on, because some of y'all missed it. So if there is a tongue given, matter of fact, tonight in service, there was a tongue that was given. It was a tongue. You probably heard other people speaking in tongues, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Come on, let's just really talk about it. Can this be a classroom where the saints can learn and we can be built up and edified and encouraged in our faith? Hear me. So, so, so tonight there was a tongue and then there was an interpretation. But, but see, listen to me. We get caught up on the idea that the tongue must be interpreted. But what we really need to go back to is the fact that it says, let there be two or three. If you get in church and a bunch of people just talking in tongues, hollering, you know, I, I get in services sometimes and everyone's just talking in tongues, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and it weirds me out because it's contrary to Scripture. I told you all, we're just going to be real tonight. It's contrary to Scripture, and if we're going to hold Scripture as the letter of the law, then everything we do in our services has to be conducted in accordance to the Word of God if we want God to really move. Because let me tell you something, what we've done a lot in church is we turn it into a whole bunch of tongue talking, and guess what? They go home, and they're still beating their wife. Come on, somebody. They're still addicted to porn because there's no transformation. I, I told them all Sunday, your gift is not fruit of your spirituality. It is not proof of your spirituality. Matter of fact, your gift is without repentance. Means that your gift's gonna flow regardless of whether you right or wrong with God. All right, but here's the next part that you need to understand about tongues and interpretation. Verse 28 gives a very key. Go back to verse 28, please. Verse 28, slide something in there that so many churches have missed. Verse 28, thank you. For if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Wait, that means that if someone's speaking in tongues, they're not just babbling. Oh, let's really go for it tonight. That means that there must be a tongue that if it is spoken, that it does not have to be interpreted, but you're to speak that tongue as a prayer language to God. Do you hear me tonight? See, many times in service, when we're sitting in service and you hear tongues, you're, you're sitting there saying, they shouldn't be doing that. It needs to be interpreted. No, bro, let me tell you something. You need to check Scripture, and what you'll find out is that tongue is not a tongue that is to be interpreted. But hear me, it's got to be done in order, not loud and not boisterous, but you've got to kind of retain that thing and keep it. The Bible says that the Spirit is subject to the prophet. In other words, I'm in control of the Spirit. You say, preacher, I don't know about that. Then why did the Bible tell me to quench not the Spirit? If I ain't in control of it, then I... I shouldn't be able to shut the door on it. 
So what we find out is that order and service is that when there's tongues and there's interpretation, that yeah, it should be done maybe two, maybe three times. That's decently in an order. A whole service shouldn't be just a bunch of tongues and interpretation. Tongues and interpretation. Why? Because it's contrary to the word. God's going to do everything decently and in order. But here's the reason why. Because there's people that are sitting in here tonight. You don't talk in tongues. You've never talked in tongues. You've never wanted to talk in tongues. You thought it was weird. Guess what? It's okay, bro. I was absolutely one of them. And here's what the Bible says. you got every right to think they're weird. Huh? Oh, yeah. We're going to share it. Don't worry. We go. We go and we go and we go and we go. And... Watch. 1 Corinthians 14 and 23. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some do not understand or some unbelievers come in, oh my God, glory to God, that means unbelievers are welcome in the church. Will they not say that you're out of your mind? Why? Because you over there, you tie my tie, tie your tie, she bought a Honda with a rebate. And you got everybody doing that. And guess what? There's people in here, they were in the club on Friday. They up in the church on this Wednesday and they're like, pshh. These people are weird. The Bible says they're going to think that you're weird. Because flesh doesn't comprehend spirit. And when you're spirit filled and there's manifestations of the spirit in your life, such as tongue talking, then there's people that don't understand it because they're still in their flesh, nor can they understand it. The Bible says unless he reveals it to them, they cannot receive it. So if you go in and everyone's just talking in tongues, everyone's praying out loud in tongues, guess what? There's people who are going to be like, these people are weird. And the Bible says rightfully so. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're out of your mind. I'm not telling you to not pray in tongues. But what I am telling you is when we do it, it has to be done in order, in accordance to the word of God, that the spirit of God is not hindered. We never want to do anything that would cause somebody to have a reproach against the spirit of God because of our flesh. Come on, somebody. Okay. The second thing that you need to understand about speaking in tongues. We're talking about being full of the Spirit, but first we've got to address this thing with tongues. Speaking in tongues strengthens the person, not the church. Watch. 1 Corinthians 14. Going back into 1 Corinthians 14, verses 4 and 5. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Go to verse 5. I would like that every one of you to speak in tongues. Hold on. Did this come before, like, Malachi? Like, shouldn't this be Old Testament? Because I thought the gift ceased. This is New Testament. Man. And he's saying, I wish every single one of you spoke in tongues. He said, yeah, I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but catch this part. But even more, I'd rather that you prophesy, for the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church might be edified. Your tongue talking edifies yourself. The Bible says that praying in the spirit, building yourself up in the faith. There's something that happens in the spirit of a man as he prays in the spirit. It's a building up in the faith. There's something encouraging that comes when you pray. But this is what you got to understand. There's people next to you that while you're doing it and you're rocking and you tongue talking, they're looking at you like, bro, it's crazy. 
They're not being edified by it, but the Bible's clear. He said, I wish every one of you spoke in tongues, but even more than that, I wish every one of you prophesied because when you prophesy, you're building up the church. If an unbeliever is standing in the room and everyone's talking in tongues, they're just like, well, I don't know about this place. But if the unbeliever's in the room and there's a man or woman of God that has the gift of prophecy and they begin to talk about people, talk about their situations. Let's say Brother Charles is an unbeliever because God knows he's saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost so we can use him as a... But he's an unbeliever and he's here tonight. And I begin to prophesy over Travis. He knows Travis from the street. And all of a sudden, he realizes that I don't know Travis like that, but for some way, somehow, I am knowing in the Spirit what's going on in Travis's life. The Bible is clear that Charles will be edified by it. He'll be intrigued by the gift because all of a sudden he understands what's going on. Come on, somebody make room for the prophets. Hallelujah. So, power must be identifiable. But hold on, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2. I don't know if I gave that one to y'all. If I didn't, forgive me. Watch, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2 says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They may utter mysteries by the Spirit. Can y'all please find that and pull it up? Because I believe some of them don't believe me. I think, they, I think they think I pulled that out of the book of Kyle. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. You've got to show them. Matter of fact, it would be amazing if some of y'all downloaded the YouVersion Bible app or you even opened up your old papal Bible and you followed along with me tonight. How amazing would that be? For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Tongues has got to be interpreted, preacher. If it ain't interpreted, it don't need to be in service. If you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will always be mysterious. Guess what I just found out? There's three tongues. There's the tongues of languages and nations, and it's a gift. I've heard stories of preachers going into India, never been to India in their life. They stand up, they go to preach, and they got an interpreter standing next to them, and every word that flows out of their mouth is in that Indian language. The next tongue we find out is a tongue that is spoken out loud, vocal in a congregational setting, and it must be interpreted. Why? Because it disrupts, excuse that word, but it disrupts service. There's a reverence, there's a holiness that comes on that tongue when it comes, that silences hearts, shuts down musical instruments. The sister that's jumping around, she'll reverence herself in the presence of God. The tongue comes forth, and then it must be interpreted, the Bible says. And then we find another tongue, a tongue that does not require any interpretation because the truth is if you tried to interpret it, you wouldn't understand it anyways. Because guess what, bro? I ain't talking to you. This tongue... The Bible goes on to teach, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, is a, touch, is, a, is a prayer language tongue. It is literally as though a man prays and he directly prays to God. Watch this. I've always, always understood it this way. It is an SOS of, uh, or a Morris code of spiritual warfare. If you're in the midst of spiritual warfare, you need to be praying in the spirit always because every time I pray out loud where the enemy can understand it, he can begin, ah, oh, my God, help me, help me. He can begin to launch attacks against your prayer because he's hearing your strategy but when you pray in tongues you pray in a language that the enemy can't understand and all of a sudden you got a direct connection to the throne room and it doesn't matter because he can't intercept it 
And they say, well, I can't understand it. Bro, I ain't telling you what I'm telling him because you don't need to know. Is this all right for church at 9 o'clock? All right. So power must be identifiable. Watch this. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you will receive power. And when the Spirit comes in the manifestation of tongues, through the evidence of speaking in tongues, watch this. Power must be identifiable. What do you mean by that? Power, that's what the Spirit spoke to me as I was studying this message. Power must be identifiable. How many of y'all plug your phone in on the charger and then check the screen? None of you plug it in and walk away. Every single one of you looks at that little battery and looks for a power. You can do that with me tonight if you feel real spiritual. See, what you're looking for is something to identify the power. See, when I plug a, a, a drop cord in and, or, or a power strip, there's a little button on there. That red button, if it lights up, indicates that there is power. Let me tell you something, not to depreciate, but tongues is the identifier that you've got the power. When you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, it's the tongues. That's the red light of heaven that says, I'm plugged in, baby. I got a hold of him and he's got a hold of me. Well, you don't need tongues to be filled with the Spirit. That's a lie, bro. It is. You, you receive the Spirit of Christ when you're, when you're saved. But there is, Matthew uh, chapter 3, John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to unloosen. He shall indeed baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. He said, I'll give you a baptism of repentance, but he's going to give you a baptizo and an immersion in the Spirit of God that it'll no longer be the Spirit of God around you. It'll be the Spirit of God in you. In the Old Testament, the Bible said that the Spirit came on David, that the Spirit came on Saul. But in the New Testament, the Bible says that he came came in them. He infested their bodies with his presence. So what does being spirit-filled look like? Let me tell you something. So much more than tongue talking. My God, can we get past the gift of tongues? The word says what it says. We won't back up on that. We're going to preach Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That his blood is the power. We're going to preach that the spirit is alive. We're going to preach that the word of God is the infallible word of God. We're going to preach all that. We're going to preach every part of the Bible. But can we just get past some things that have held us up from experiencing the more of God? Because what does it really look like to be spirit-filled? A whole lot more than just tongue-talking. Galatians chapter 5 begins to give us a pierce of a window into what a spirit-filled life looks like. Watch, Galatians 5, one of my favorite chapters and favorite books of the Bible, Galatians 5, 516. Thank you. So I'll say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. What does a spirit-filled life look like? A whole lot more than talking in tongues. It's saying, man, I want to take the job, but God won't let me. 
man, I want to marry this person, but the Holy Spirit won't let me. Living a Spirit-filled life is a life, as Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. He was full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that when he was led into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted and tried, he was led by the Spirit. But the Bible says, watch, read the end of that, that when he came out, he came out in the power of the Holy Ghost. He was led in by it, but what he was led in got in him, got on him, got all around him while he was in it. And he came out in something he didn't walk in in. So to be spirit-filled literally means that we, don't desire, we, we, we no longer pursue the desires of the flesh. We pursue the things of the spirit because the spirit and the flesh are contrary. Come on, the flesh tells you to stay home. Spirit says, get your tail up and go to church. Flesh says, turn on Netflix. The spirit will say, you better go read Galatians 5 again. Great preaching. Ephesians 5 tells us a little bit more about what being spirit-filled looks like. Ephesians 5 and 15. So be careful how you live. My God, I just called the pianist up here right now, keyboards. Let's just do an altar call. Let's all go home. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Watch. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Make the most of every day. I love the fact, go back to verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Yes. I love the fact that they, did not, they didn't minus out the part that it's evil. In other words, when you're full of the Spirit, you make the most of every opportunity, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether you feel like hell is surrounding you, whether you feel like it's all falling apart or whether it's all falling into place. You put yourself in a position that says, I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. Blood-bought, fire-baptized believers are people that are opportunists. They don't look at what the devil's doing. They inquire, God, God, what are you up to? You got me in this den of lions. Now I want to know what you're doing. God, you got me in this fiery furnace, but I ain't going to look like I'm getting burned. I'm going to look like I'm about to be promoted. God, you got me up in this prison. I want to know what you're doing because I don't think it's punishment. I think it's promotion. Opportunist in the midst of the evil. That's what a spirit filled life looks like. I'm spirit filled, preach. I'm spirit filled. Two weeks later. What's wrong, bro? Lost my job. I ain't coming back to church. I did that declaration. No, let me tell you something, brother. You're not seeing the opportunity. You don't understand Romans 8 and 28, that God is working all things together for your good. It's never evil. It's never bad. It's never the end. It's never over because God has the final say. 
Spirit-filled believers say, yea, though he slay me, his name will I praise. It's an opportunity, baby. I may be on my back in the hospital. The marriage may be falling apart. I may have lost my job, but I'm saying, God, what are you doing? Lord, what are you up to? Mm. Verse 17 says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be full of the Holy Spirit. Wine, and I'm not going to teach on this because God will split the church, but we'll talk about that another night. I'm going to say that just in, for allow inquiring minds to inquire. But wine is a gift from the enemy because it's a mockery and it's a man-made substitute for what God wants to give you in the spirit. Yes. Yes, yes. Ephesians tells us, don't be drunk with wine, but be full of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing that there's a direct correlation from being hammered to being Holy Ghost filled. Come on. Some, y'all, y'all sitting there like you so daggum religious, y'all was in the club. Turn down for what? And you up in the church now saying, can you turn the music down? It's a little too loud. Well, you sure didn't mind when you was bumping the devil's tunes. <laughs> don't be drunk with wine. It'll ruin your life. If you don't believe so, you can, matter of fact, I'll say it publicly because, I mean, shoot, it's already all public anyways. If you don't believe wine will ruin your life, you can go look at my family's Facebook page and the quarrel that's going on on Facebook right now because my brother that's living in an incredibly drunken stupor and the chaos that it's causing. I've had church members contact me. Hey, Pastor, everything all right with your family? No, bro, it ain't. It ain't. Because wine is destroying Somebody I love's life. But I believe God's plan is for us to be full of the Spirit. I'd be lying if I said that I haven't ever had a hard day and wanted to go home and have a glass of wine. I'd be lying if I said that I've never had that thought. But let me tell you something. That's an inferior product. You know what I say is when we have a hard day, we should want to go home and get hammered in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about drink till you pass out of his goodness. I'm talking about laid out on the floor, tongue-talking, drooling on yourself, snotting, tears running down your mouth. When they walk in and say, what's wrong with him? Ain't nothing wrong with me, baby. Everything's right. Don't be drunk with wine. It'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when you drink and you drive, you get something called a DUI, which stands for, say it loud for the people in the back, driving under the influence. Why did he tell the church at Ephesus, don't be drunk with wine, but be full of the Spirit, because both of them are influencers. And he said, don't be influenced by a cheap cop-out 
in the world. Instead, be influenced by the Spirit of God. You need to get influenced by the Spirit of God. You need to get influenced by the Holy Spirit that will affect your decisions. Come on, some of y'all done some really dumb things when you were drunk. Let me tell you what happens. You get drunk on the Holy Ghost, you'll do some really holy things when you get drunk. You be walking up in Walmart. Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> some of y'all felt the spirit on that. Galatians 5 and 25, and I'm done. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What does a Spirit-filled life look like? Jesus walks on the shores of the Galilee and he finds some guys that have had a hard life. Fishing, cussing, drinking, biting, rejected by religion. It's the reason why they went fishing. They couldn't make it to Bible school. Rabbis said they were too dumb. So the only thing they could do was go fishing in that day. And Jesus is like, man, I'm going to take a walk on the beach. He goes out and he finds these guys that the church has rejected. All they know is fish. And they got a cussing problem. Just ask Peter. And Jesus walks up to him and he says these incredibly remarkable words. Follow me. Why? Because he wanted them to follow in his footsteps so that the words Paul could be echoed throughout the rest of church history where it says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. As I step in his steps, you step in my steps and we'll all follow Jesus together. Here's the problem. Jesus couldn't stay forever. And he said, now I'm leaving, and because I'm leaving, it's good that I go away. Why? Because if I leave, the Father will send the Comforter. He'll send the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Galatians 5 said, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow. The Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What's the amazing part? Every day that you wake up and you wake up with the Holy Spirit, you get to take a walk down the beach with Jesus. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. God, do I go this way? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. What does a spirit-filled life look like? A whole lot more than talking in tongues. It's living a life not according to the flesh but the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh but we fulfill the fullness of the spirit of God. It's an understanding that what we feed grows. We can feed the flesh and we'll have a whole manifestation of flesh or we can feed the spirit. My God. He said, whosoever hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. Stand with me all over the house. Brooke, you can come on. Simple question tonight. Are you full? Are you full? This is a safe place. Say, preacher, I'm spiritually empty. Man, I'm running on fumes. I'm running on fumes. You know what happens when you begin to run on fumes? You got to shake the vehicle back and forth. Some of y'all are shaking in your walk with the Lord tonight. Some of y'all are 
Some of y'all are shaking in your walk with the Lord tonight. You're doing everything you can to slosh the little bit of gas of the ghost that you got left. And all he's saying is, will you pull up to the filling station tonight? Your gas light's on. Will you pull over? Will you, will you hit this altar one more time and say, God, fill me afresh with the gift of your ghost. Take possession of me. Fill me up until I overflow. I want to run over. I want to run over. I want the gas of the ghost to be bubbling out of me that people that are broke down, people that are thirsty, people that are tired, people that are weary, people that are shaking in their walk. I want so much of the ghost that I can roll up to them and say, here you go, brother, siphon some out of me. Lay hands on them and pray for them and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Receive this gas. Receive this power. Receive this fire. Receive this encouragement. Receive it. There's people in this room tonight and you're running on empty and God said, my desire is for you to be full. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Preacher, how do you stay in ministry some 12 years? I've been betrayed by church leaders, backstabbed by church members, lied on, cussed on, spit at. Had knives pulled on me. Had people want to kill me. Had one guy tell me I was full of the devil. I'll tell you how. I don't let any of them be my source. Because those sources will leave you empty. Those sources will leave you dry. But there is a source that's in this room tonight that says, I want to fill you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, as the Spirit gives utterance, you need to hit this altar tonight and say, God, fill me full. Fill me full. Why? I'm not saying you need to speak in tongues. I'm saying that tongues is the indicator that the power is on. There's so much more. I wish that y'all spoke in tongues, but even more, I wish that all y'all would prophesy. We need more spirit-filled believers in this church for where this church is headed. We need people that when they pray, they pray straight to God. They don't got to go to the pastor and say, Pastor, pray for me. They ain't got to call somebody up. They say, man, I know how to get a hold of God. And they start to pray themselves and the heavens open, the room opens, the atmosphere changes. And you know that you're in connection with God because everything around you begins to shift and change and shake and move. So if you're here tonight, never been filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to come to this altar right now. Second person I'll talk to is the person that's been full. But let's be honest, bro. You're running on empty tonight. You ain't felt God move in your life in years. It's been years since the Spirit of God bubbled up in you, moved on you, moved through you. You feel dried out tonight. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God wants to saturate your life tonight. He wants to pour out His Spirit on you and bring a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And the last people that need to be on this altar are the people that are say, Preacher, I'm full tonight. But I refuse to ride by full and toot the horn when I see brothers broken down on the side of the road. 
I'm going to pull over. I'm going to give a little bit of what I got. I'm going to touch in prayer. I'm going to touch in agreement. I'm going to lay hands on them. I'm going to pray for them to make sure that they leave here full tonight. So let's go back through it. If you're here tonight and you need to be filled, never been filled, want to be filled, shoot, you may be here tonight and say, I want to know if it's real. I challenge you tonight. Come to this altar tonight and say, God, if it's real, I want it. You can tell them. You can be bold with God. God, if it ain't real, I don't want nothing to do with it. But God, if it's real, I want every bit of it. If you'll come tonight, you'll pray, you'll seek the Lord. I believe God will do an amazing thing. If you're here tonight and you're that person, will you come right now? Come on. Come. Come. You want to be spirit-filled, want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost of fire, come. Come, 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 come. Stephen just gave his heart to the Lord on Sunday. Thank God for newborn hunger. Some of y'all up in this church been saved 15 years and you're staying there tonight holding on to the back of that chair and you won't move. You know what you need to pray? You need to pray, God, allow the oil and the fire of heaven to soften my heart again. Because I want to move when you say move. Second, people I'll ask to come tonight is you just say, Preacher, I'm dry, I'm dusty, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm shaking it, trying to make it tonight. Would you come? Would you come for a refreshing? Come on, come, come, come kneel at this altar. Come kneel at this altar. You need a refreshing. You need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost in your life. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Come on, come on, come on, come on. You're here tonight. Quit faking it until you make it because, bro, you're going to be broke down on the side of the road. I'm telling you, there's a filling station here tonight. His name is Jesus, and he'll pour his spirit in your life. The last thing I'm going to ask is those of you that you say, Preacher, I'm full. Would you come lay hands? And I'm going to be straight with you, and I'm going to be honest with you. Don't you come up here and lay hands on somebody if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost by the initial evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives up Those are the people that I need up here tonight. Would you come? Come. Come. You say, Preacher, I'm full. My cup's overflowing. I want to pour into them. Come on. Come on. Come. Come. Come pray in the Spirit for them. Come pray in the Spirit for them. Come. Hallelujah.